0: Look at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen?
1: Hello and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff, and joining me, as always, are my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, uh, the three of us are going to handicap the remaining eight at this moment. There are eight matches in the midweek for the Premier League. Arsenal, Wolves, Leeds, Aston Villa have been chalked off uh, the schedule for now. And uh, that means that we'll start with the 10 a.m. kickoff on Tuesday between Southampton, they're plus 245 at home hosting the red hot Tottenham hot Spurs, plus 115. The draw is plus 250. Antonio Conte has his Spurs singing a pretty sweet tune right now, Anthony. They're coming off a really good win off, over Crystal Palace. sure Wolford's sure hot Zaha was kicked out of the game via red card, so they were playing a 10-man team for a little over half the game. But before that, it was all Spurs, too. This is
2: uh, starting to look legitimate, I think. So what do you have for this one? Well, first off, you know, the Premier League saw that BJ had put an Arsenal money line bet in and they realized that he was now officially back in on the Gunners. And they said, we can't have it. We're chalking the game. No game. Arsenal was postponed like 20 minutes later. Uh, So Arsenal, the Arsenal love will have to wait until next episode when they play Manchester City. So that will be a fun one for sure. (laughs) I can't wait for it. I've already got my calendar circled, ready to go. Uh, but you know what? It's tip top Tottenham. It's hot shot Tottenham. I'll save you the singing, uh, but Spurs are back, baby. Uh, the numbers have been really impressive. I mean, yes, they played up a man for 65 minutes today, but even if you take that out created well over one expected goal, two clear cut chances scored them both since Conte has arrived. 2.17 expected goals per 90, 2.48 expected goals per 90 last five matches. Now there's a couple caveats with that. One, They got to play five of their six matches at home. They got into a weird rut here where almost every game on the road happened to get canceled because of COVID or weather when they went to Burnley, Leicester, Brighton, some tricky road games, uh, all canceled. So that helps for sure. Uh, And I think that more so helps the defense in the sense that the one road match they played came against Norwich and they uh, struggled. So when you look at the fact they got to play all these matches at home, certainly helps, uh, did allow one expected goal in that match, the talent for Spurs is way too good in attack to be what it was under Nuno and now they're starting to look more like the team that we thought they could be at the beginning of the season consistently getting one and a half plus expected goals per 90 with all that being said we look on the other side of the of the ball here Saints should be playing more high scoring games they did not look great today i know they cashed plus 300 for me the the money line dog and the and the Uh, Got the pretty even game overall, which on the road against West Ham is a good result for sure and a good win, uh, but didn't really have the control of the game that I thought they might be able to get uh, playing against a a pretty not great West Ham team in the sense that they held the lead but really couldn't control the game. Uh, Prime opportunity for some Kane attacking regression here. And another thing, Spurs were also able to coast in the second half, so I'm, I'm less worried about fatigue for them. Overall here, all that points me towards the over. I think we have an improving Spurs attack, a defense that has not been tested, especially away from home. If you figure that you know Spurs are putting up two goals a game here, I do think Saints will get on the board. I'm surprised that this total is as low as it is at two and a half. My number makes it 2.7. I like the over, two and a half minus 105.
1: I like Tottenham for a lot of the reasons you're saying. Like, Spurs, this, the Saints defense has been pretty leaky all season. They're 11th in non-penalty expected goals, but 18th in big chances allowed. I think Spurs will be able to exploit that with a an attack that is singing a pretty good song right now. Like uh, Harry Kane, he's making the ball talk. Son, he looks good. Lucas Moore, great game today too. Uh, so I think if this team is going to be threatening going forward, they do have the defensive solidity to hold the lead. And I think a 3-1 score is not out of the question here. Uh, for Tottenham and like I said the Saints defense they are susceptible to big time lapses you know I'm gonna buy high here I'm gonna buy high on Conte Spurs and hope that getting a plus money is is a little bit of a gift and before they really do start to look like a legitimate you know with a big enough sample size uh, threat to the top four Uh, so I'll take the decent price as is even on the road buying high on Anthony Spurs BJ I think you're going the other way here
0: yeah, so if you want to play Tottenham player right now, uh, as you're hearing this, because I have a pretty good inkling that this number is going to get steamed pretty hard uh, after watching what Tottenham's done in the last few matches. I agree with everything Anthony said. They look fantastic. They look great. I mean, what else do you want me to say? What I will say, though, is they have, under Nuno, they were pretty bad on the road, you know, they only, especially offensively. They only created 5.7 expected goals in six matches now. They've only played one road match under Conte, and that was against Everton. So, you know, not much data to go off of there. But Tottenham was pretty bad against pressure under Nuno, and they're still somewhat kind of struggling against teams that, you know, especially against Liverpool when they put up a 46% pressure success rate. Southampton's going to press them and press them all match long. Now, you know, they did just play Liverpool and Crystal Palace, two teams that press a lot, and they had no trouble creating chances, so... You know, you can throw that out the window, but if you keep allowing high-pressure success rates to opposing defenses. You know, eventually somebody's going to hurt you. So, you know, we'll we'll see if Southampton's press is effective and be able to get the ball and you know get the ball moving forward. Southampton is much better at home than they are on the road. Plus two point eight expect a goal differential at home versus a minus four expect a goal differential on the road. So. This is a a, not I wouldn't say this is a perfect opportunity to to sell high on Spurs, but it is a a decent opportunity for on a Southampton team that has been playing pretty well as of late. So what I would say is if you're going to bet Southampton, I would wait right up until match time because I have a bad feeling that, you know, Spurs is going to get steamed. So I'll take Southampton plus half a goal, but I do need plus money or better to get there. They are currently minus 130 on the plus half a goal line, but. I do think there is a good chance that we could get to plus money by match time.
2: Yeah. Spurs have been steamed in almost every match since Conte took over. The market really has liked them. The line did take some money already. So they were around plus 130 mm-hmm. uh in the on the look-ahead number. They're down to you know plus 110, 115 now. So there are some signs that, you know, there's going to be some more market movement towards Spurs. As we get closer. Also, Tottenham's relatively healthy right now, only Romero is out. But again, I mentioned this, and, and it's just the defense. Spurs are still conceding in the five matches that Conte has managed they're still conceding about one goal per 90 0.96 expected goals allowed per 90 and they've only conceded three goals in six matches. so the suggestion is that you know they're probably going to concede uh, some goals here going forward uh, but I, I do think uh, that you're, you're getting a really good uh, it's tottenham attack that still isn't quite being appreciated and Kane just continues to finish under his expected goals. And he's never done that in his entire career, you know, since he joined Tottenham. So I think it's a pretty good bet that he's going to regress back positively. And the Spurs attack could, you know, have a big number coming at some point in one of these games.
1: And uh, who better to do it against a team that's allowed 14 goals in their last six matches? And that would be Southampton. Let's uh, move on another 10 a.m. kickoff on Tuesday morning. Another team that is susceptible to defensive lapses that's Watford they're plus 270 hosting the wobbling West Ham United Irons they're plus 110 the draws plus 255 we've previewed every Watford game then they end up getting canceled so it just bears repeating Watford uh, 19 expected goals allowed in Claudio Ranieri's nine games in charge that's 2.17 per match thereabouts. about no clean sheets this season for Watford yet. Uh, that's <laughs> impressive. And uh, they haven't played uh, since December 10th. So who knows how they're going to come out? I think, look, like West Ham is really wobbling, but I just think their attack is too good against this Watford defense. I think this game has goals all over it, just like I thought the Southampton West Ham game did. I think you're just looking at two struggling defenses and two potent offenses relative to you know what the defenses will be throwing at them. And I, and I think just in that kind of match, Uh, West Ham should come out on top so I I kind of like another short road favorite here Uh, West Ham plus 110 right now I think that's a decent number Uh, so give me the hammers by buying a little low on a team uh, after the 3-2 loss to Southampton BJ goal fest
0: yeah I love over two and a half goals at minus 115 like you mentioned Wofford hasn't played in almost a month 19 expected goals allowed under Ranieri. Now, granted, they did play a pretty tough schedule, but bottom five in every single defensive metric this season is really, really concerning going up against a West Ham offense that is still, very, still healthy and still very good. I know they've kind of struggled as of late, but this is a perfect get-right opportunity for them. They're still top five in every single offensive metric. They just created two big scoring chances against Southampton on Sunday. The big thing in this one, though, is that West Ham's defense is just decimated with injuries right now. And really in key places, you know, Kurt Zuma is still out. Obviously Aaron is out, obviously is out for the season, but Declan Rice now has a yellow card suspension and he is so crucial to protecting their back lines. So with him out, I don't see a scenario where West Ham can, you know, get up and try and press Watford. They'd almost going kind to of have to let Watford try and be their aggressors and try to hit them on the counter. I really think this is going to be just an absolute goal fest with how decimated West Ham is defensively and how bad Watford has been defensively as well. I have a little over three goals projected. So I love over two and a half goals and minus minus one fifteen.
2: Yeah. West Ham overs have been uh, pretty good in most of their matches this year. They've had a few clunkers on the road, but uh, generally been pretty good uh, at scoring goals. And and there is some regression that continues to worry me about this West Ham attack, but BJ is absolutely right when he talks about the defense in the sense that they, without Rice now, don't have anyone who can effectively defend the center of the park, who can break up play, who can win the ball. We saw today Craig Dawson, God bless him, but the effort, uh, you know, getting just cooked on the ball by Broja, and then losing his balance, tripping over him outside the area, but then couldn't regain his balance. So then he continued to trip him in the area, giving away the penalty. Uh, it really gets at the lack of, of overall quality here and really... I thought Southampton were very good at getting West Ham in bad situations in transition, especially once they got the lead. Not saying Watford's going to get the lead here, but uh, I do think there's some danger against Watford with their ability to counterattack. We'll get to my pick on this game a little bit later in the show, but the Hornets certainly look fresh off of, you know, 20, almost 20 days without soccer in a ripe uh, upset spot for me.
1: Moving on to Crystal Palace, odds on. Minus 165 at home, posting North City, plus 500. The draw is plus 295. 10 a.m. kickoff coming your way on Tuesday morning. Wilfred Zahab will probably be out for this match. I'm just assuming that suspension will be upheld uh, after his red card in uh, against Spurs. But the Palace defense, they were picked apart a little bit. But like we were saying, they were playing a lot of this game with 10 men. I still trust them enough, and you're, they're taking on the worst attack in the premier league so i don't know if norwich is going to score here i think there's maybe a little bit of value going towards uh, an under if you're maybe feeling a little frisky at draw uh or you know less frisky of both teams to score no because i think palace's defense should hold up and they're also not too much of a threat to score themselves against uh any defense including Norwich's. so uh for me right now a little bit of a pass
2: anthony anything you see on this one yeah, it's a pretty good stay away spot here for me. I do want to talk about Norwich, though. They've played the big six now, seven matches. So they played everybody once, and they played Arsenal twice, the second game being today. They have accumulated 0. 0.0 points, zero goals. They've allowed 25. That's a 7-0 loss to Chelsea, a 5-0 loss to City and Arsenal, two 3-0 losses to Spurs and Liverpool, and two 1-0 losses to Arsenal and Manchester United there is no bottom. There is no bottom for this team. Uh, And I understand they had a little bit of a boost, but we, we cannot back this Norwich team against the big six anymore. Tried doing it a couple of years ago, failed miserably. They just get pummeled when they go up against these big six sides against these teams who have the, the possession ability. And while there may be some spots to, to get on them against, you know, weaker opposition, even if we show value on it, I'm just done, done, with Norwich City when they play these elite uh, ball ball progressing sides.
1: All right, uh, I think that will be it for Palace and Norwich. So we can move on to the three pm kickoff on Tuesday, and that uh, I think you could say is the headliner for the week, uh, the midweek, which is Leicester City plus six fifty hosting Liverpool. Odds on minus two fifty five. Uh, the draw is plus four twenty five. Leicester coming off a wild match against manchester city went down four nil in the first half cut it to four three end up losing six three what does that mean i think that means that you're looking at a potential by low spot here on the foxes the number needs to tick up a little bit for me to be interested just because i don't trust the defense they just allowed six goals to uh to manchester city but i think you know it's a little bit of this liverpool team they can score in bunches this game could be four nil liverpool or you can see Leicester hanging in and uh, making a game of it, and at that point, you'd much rather be holding the plus 650 on, on Leicester. I need a bigger number on Leicester right now, and, and I hope I get it because I do actually want to bet this game. But Anthony, you have an entry point into this into this match.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Leicester is due for some unders. Like, their their defense isn't as bad as it's been. It can't be. I know they've had a ton of issues uh, with defensive personnel. They've had COVID issues. They've had personnel issues. Vestergaard has not been a good fit. Fofana has been out most of the year. Johnny Evans has been out for a while now. So yes, the, the defensive issues make a lot of sense, but I can't do the under here. I just can't, uh, not yet. And you're going to find some spots to take Leicester unders, but they are not uh, in this one against Liverpool, even at home. But I do think this is a very good buy low spot on the Foxes. Look, they had an embarrassing League Cup defeat to Liverpool last week. Losing to Liverpool normally, not an embarrassing you know loss, but when you go to Anfield and they're playing the reserves. And you are up three goals to one, you're up two goals to nil, and you blow it. I understand it's a league cup. People don't really care about it, but it's a chance for an immediate revenge. Number one, number two, city Leicester also got embarrassed by city this morning, give them some credit for the comeback from four goals down. But anytime you concede six and lose by three in the league, not a good, uh, not a good look. And so this it's a double bounce back from these last two performances But I actually was pretty encouraged by by the actual performance. And you could say, oh, they scored three goals once they were down by four. But it was the most shots any team has taken against City since opening day in the league when Spurs got 14. That game, Spurs were very effective on the counter. City were kind of easing into the season. Well, here, City have been an absolute machine for the last month. They have not allowed any chances, any goals, any shots any possession, yet Leicester was able to create more than two expected goals and get three themselves, five big scoring chances, 10 solid chances created in the match overall. So I'm incredibly impressed by this Leicester attack and the way it's been trending recently. The defense continues to be an issue on set pieces, and that's a major concern here where it looks like Liverpool might get its midfield and defense back from COVID. But even with that being said, Liverpool is too overinflated here on the road. I'm going to take the Foxes in a... Huge spot at home with a chance for revenge off of last week. Uh, And and I think their attacks can be able to do some damage and keep this game competitive. Yeah, when
1: uh, I was uh, getting set up for the Leicester City game today, I was like, I I really hope Manchester City makes it look easy against Leicester so that I could buy low on them in in a spot that I like against Liverpool. And the way that it went, I was just like, oof, that's not how I wanted it to happen. Just just, no confidence that they'll be able to keep uh, Liverpool out uh, of the onion bag here. And uh, BJ, that's kind of what you're thinking too, huh?
0: Yeah, I love over three and a half goals and anything plus money here. I understand that, you know, Leicester's not as bad as they've seemed defensively, but it's pretty bad right now, especially without Johnny Evans and Sionko for this match. Leicester, their bottom five and expected goals allowed, allowing 1.72 per match. They're allowing a ton of shots, 15.2 per 90, a ton of box entries around 14 per 90 and crosses into their own penalty area around three per 90, which are all, you know, near the bottom of the Premier League. So going up against a Liverpool offense that's averaging 2.6 expected goals per match, number one in every single offensive category, it's just a horrific matchup. I mean, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, and Diego Jota are the top three uh, expected goal creators in the Premier League right now. They've combined for 33.4 expected goals. So I think Liverpool can basically pick their number here. And everything Anthony said about their offense is true. It actually is really good. They're fourth in non-penalty expected goals 2.5 expected goals against Manchester city. That's the most of anybody uh, in any competition this season. The most that they've allowed before that was 1.7 to RB Leipzig in a match that meant absolutely nothing in the champions league. So that's how impressive, you know, what Leicester did, even though they were obviously, you know, down four goals. So I think this one has the potential to, you know, essentially pop off and we could have, you know, a six or seven goal thriller. Leicester offensively is much better at home than they are on the road. 1.69 expected goals per match at home versus only about 1.2 on the road. So I love over three and a half goals, anything plus money. I have around 3.7 goals projected for this one.
2: Yeah. We still don't know the status of Tiago Fabinho Van Dyke. If you match the timeline up, it's like pretty close to the fact that they, they may be back. But again, we're talking very short turnaround here. Uh, and we did, we just saw that their match was just canceled on boxing day. Now that a lot of that was leads issues, not necessarily Liverpool issues. They were going to be able to go ahead with the match, but we don't know. The status of them so that that is something to watch and and i'll probably end up waiting to put my bet in but even if they do play i'm going to probably end up on leicester city plus one and a half at what i think is a pretty good number when my number is closer to a goal and a quarter so i think uh it's a pretty good number on leicester and you know hopefully we can mm-hmm. defend some set pieces <laughs> a little two two draw defend in general
1: um yeah i mean for a team like leicester you can survive some defensive issues if because with their offense, but not when they're this horrific. Still, it's going to be definitely a bet that will take a lot of willpower for me to look away from seven to one on a good team at home in the midweek. All right, uh, another good team at home that is a very good team. That's Chelsea. They're minus two twenty-five hosting Brighton and Hove beyond. They're seven to one on the money line. The draw is plus three forty. This is a Wednesday kickoff two thirty p.m. Brighton coming off uh, a good performance against Brentford, Chelsea coming off a good performance against Aston Villa, Romelu Lukaku is back on the score sheet. But I do think the Seagulls set up pretty well here. We're talking about a really strong defensive team. They're top five in non-penalty expected goals allowed, big chances allowed, shots per 90 and pressure success rate. So they defend like a top six team. They don't score like one. And I just think that there are just some teams in this league, Brighton being one of them, that if they get to a number this high, it's basically an auto bet, no matter where they're playing. And I think Brighton ticks that box seven to one. I'm in on the Seagulls, Graham Potter Seagulls, hopefully to pull one over on Chelsea, which has been inconsistent of late.
2: Anthony back on Brighton. Oh yeah. I'm back, baby. I am back. The Seagulls are a great underdog and look, we've had our issues trying to back them as favorites. Hasn't gone too well in some spots, but I went back and looked and when you look at how Brighton has performed against some of these bigger sides in the league over the last year and a half, since, you know, really I think the Potter revolution really began the first year under Potter, they were establishing the possession structures year two, they took a huge leap year three, they've regressed a little bit in attack. But like you mentioned, the defense is still excellent. They have the ability to press and they have the ability to win the ball off of these top sides and not be overwhelmed by their pressure because they consistently have an outball, an outlet, whether it's Cucurea or Lamptey, Whether it's Basuma playing through the press, they have guys who know how to play on the ball effectively and get through these presses that the big sides tend to overwhelm opponents with. Brighton will not be overwhelmed. You go back and look last year, these two teams played twice. Opening day was the Lampard era, so not quite a ton you can take from it, but very even game, Brighton unlucky to lose by two. They played in the peak peak of the Tuchel era when Chelsea was dominating everyone created 0.8 expected goals, allowed one game ended in a goalless draw that was very little in the game. A lot of half chances, not a ton of clear chances. So they really stymied the Chelsea defense well and created a little bit on the counter. And Chelsea is a little bit overrated off penalty luck now. They've had seven, which is three more than any other team in the league. They're running 30% over their expected goals in attack. And we've seen this year when Brighton went and played Liverpool, got a 2-2 draw, created the second most expected goals against Liverpool second only to Tottenham last week. So pretty encouraging signs across the board for this Brighton team as an underdog who also went toe-to-toe with Arsenal, outplayed them. That results looking better and better as the as BJ's Gunners continue to win. So I'm impressed with them as a, as a dog and, and catching a goal in a quarter, even though they're on the road, I think they'll be able to keep this close. So I already played it, put it in the app. Uh, it was the first bet I put in for this little slate here, plus 1.25 minus 115, or minus 120, I think I put in. Uh, but I like it at both those numbers
1: yeah i think you hit it like this is a team that profiles as a great underdog because of their defense if you could turn a game into a coin flip that makes you a good underdog and this is what this team excels at especially when they're taking on um really good opposition like they just always seem to be able to punch above their weight they do like you said pretty scary laying juice with this team but you feel always feel really really good about it when when you get the seagulls at a at a big price bj you can't set this one out
0: yeah, I don't know if I can. I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping and waiting for Chelsea to get steamed and we could potentially get Brighton at a better number. You know, I have Chelsea projected at around minus 190. So I do think they are a tad overvalued, but, you know, the Brighton offense, you know, they scored two goals today, but only created around 0.8. It was a very cagey match. Once they went up, they kind of just sat back and defended the match out. Uh, You guys, you know, you guys have obviously hit the nail right in the head. This is an elite defensive team that can play with some of the bigger sides. I do probably will end up getting in on some Brighton plus one at a decent, you know, plus number. But as of right now, I do think that the form that Chelsea's been in, especially having a good result and Lukaku back, you know, I do think there's a chance when we get to match time that they could get steamed up a little bit. Again, it is Brighton, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, professional betters out there love to bet Brighton and the market usually tends to come back to Brighton a little bit. So we'll see how this number moves in the market, but I'll, I'll probably end up playing some Brighton plus one. I can't stay away from the Seagulls.
2: Yeah. They went to Lalana, McAllister, then Trossard. Uh, and that was the front three that really did well for them last year with Mape. That was, I think probably their best attacking unit. Welbeck's been in and out, but they also get Pasuma back for this match, which is important. And it looks like uh, they're going to get Shane Duffy back as well. So some reinforcements in the midfield and in the defense that should help them against Chelsea, a good win for the blues. I, I lost fading them on Sunday, but generally didn't get to catch the second half, but was very unimpressed with the first half performance. And I understand that, you know, you're starting Pulisic, Hudson, Adoy and Mount, and none of them are, are plus shot guys as strikers. So, you know, you're, you're out a deficit there, but didn't think they had the kind of game control you'd expect. Only took three shots, got a penalty. Uh, there were two penalties in the end with the one in stoppage time. So, defensively, a strong performance against Villa, but attack wise, not impressed. Don't think they can get margin here.
1: The team uh, Brighton disposed of today uh, was their little brother, Brentford, 13 to one on the money line, hosting odds on Manchester City. They are minus 300 to win the Premier League title. They're minus 500 to win this game. The Jaws plus 600. Wednesday, 3.15 p.m., kickoff in London and Boy, uh, this Brentford defense is good, and I I like backing this team. Uh, They're fun to root for. They're fun to watch, uh, but I don't know if a mid-table defense is going to be able to hang with uh, Manchester City, especially with the offensive firepower that Brentford possesses, which isn't all that impressive. I like the under here. I'm going to – I know City just played in a nine-goal thriller, but that to me screams zag, and I'm going to zag and back another Manchester City under. It's at three is plus money. It's plus 100 right now. So under three, hoping for maybe a sleepwalky Manchester City 2-0 win. But I do think that there's a chance that this could be a city wobble. Like we do see this from time to time where they will just they'll show like a, a little bit of like a crack in their armor. And then the next game they come out, they lay an egg. And then what do they do? They just revert back into beast mode. So this could be a tricky uh, bit of a banana skin. However, I'm not brave enough to do it. BJ, uh, anything you have for this one?
0: Well, I do have some projected value in the under, but I don't really know if I can do it for a couple of reasons. Is number one, you know, obviously Manchester City, they showed some chinks in the armor with Leicester being able to, you know, pour ten, three goals in in 10 minutes. But, you know, this is a Manchester City team that time and time again has been able to hold possession and see games out and get clean sheets. You know, Leicester, like we've mentioned previously, does have the offensive firepower to potentially go do something like that i'm not sure that brentford really does you know brentford obviously you know we've talked about it at length a lot what they do is scoring off the of big chances well city hardly allows any other big chances other than what happened today brentford is one of the most efficient teams off of corners well city is incredible at defending corners you know brentford is a team that's in the bottom half of the premier league in terms of average possession they're only averaging around 47 percent possession in their matches so that just tells me manchester city is going to dominate potentially 70 percent possession and then will brentford be able to do anything going forward in the counter. I'm not so really sure, but again, we've seen it with Manchester city when they play some of these smaller sides, once they score first, the opposing team has to come out of their defensive structure. They have to try and come out and press them, try and get forward a little bit, try to somewhat get back in the game. And that's when city can just pour goals and goals and goals in on you. So it could be another situation where it's for nothing at halftime and you're sitting there with an under ticket. Like, what did I just do? <laughs> you know, both teams to score no is minus 170, So that's out the window. We can't really, you know, play something like that. So This one is a pass for me. Do have some projected value on the under, but again, you know, the way city once they score first, they just pour it on. So I, I can't, I can't get behind this Brentford team with uh, you know, how average they are at trying to control possession and everything
2: like that. So if you look at a 10 game kind of rolling XG for Brentford uh, it's a pretty clear trend downwards. In first month of the season, they were like plus 0.2 per 90. Then they, they played about even for about a month Uh, last month, so since, you know, there's not a ton of matches because they've had a bunch canceled, but you can go back to about last six matches. They're now minus 0.3 per 90. So there's a clear trend downwards with Brentford, which you'd expect. I mean, we did not think coming into the season that they were a top six, seven team. Most of us, I think, had them staying up comfortably, but I don't think we had them in the top half. So they're playing more like that team. So I think that has to be factored in here. My numbers show a little bit of value on Brentford and the under as well. But like BJ said... Happy to pass here on this City game. Maybe a live under, because I agree with BJ in the sense that if City gets up an early goal or two, I think they're going to look for more control. I think Pet will not be happy conceding three to Leicester, and I think they'll they'll make a more renewed focus on that in this match. So I think that's a potential look for the live under, but otherwise, not a ton of interest in playing this match.
1: Either way, uh, Wednesday should be fun, right? Because you got Liverpool, Chelsea, and uh, City all playing at a staggered time so knowing what liverpool did the day before it'll be a fun block of time for the title race but we can now move on to thursday to watch oh boy the rafa benitez derby one of the two it's everton minus 110 hosting newcastle united who are plus 330 the draw is plus 255 thursday 230 p.m kickoff (laughs) everton uh they had i think 12 players total uh, available for their match against Burnley was the rumor including goalkeepers by the way so we could have been looking at a situation where we had some goalkeepers playing in outfield positions uh, whether that was hyperbole or not I don't know but uh, if this lineup shakes out relatively okay for Everton at home against the Newcastle defense that bleeds scoring chances for fun against an Everton attack yes this team has a list a litany of issues but creating scoring chances really isn't one of them there was more time for Dominic Calvert-Lewin to get healthy I think that they should be able to get by this Newcastle team even with a uh, skeleton-proof squad so like it's Everton or nothing here the price just is too good to look away I actually think that there's some value on backing an alt line I like Martin's one at plus 190 because if Everton does win it will likely be by multiple goals because this Newcastle defense is just so porous. This is typically, though, has been a troubling spot for the Toffees taking on Newcastle. They've they've had trouble. Callum Wilson scores against Everton every time he steps on the field uh, against them. So it's, uh, it's a scary one. It's not going to be a fun one, but I do like Everton minus one uh, and nearly two to one. Uh, I think that number is too good to pass up against a defense that just is abysmal. BJ, I don't want you to do it, but I think you're going to.
0: Yeah, I'm coming along with you. I mean, the rumor was Jordan Pickford was going to have to play midfield <laughs> if they were going to play this match, which I would have loved to see. But either way, I think it was a real benefit for Everton getting that match postponed against Burnley, allows some guys to get healthy. It looks like at the time of taping this, now this could change, but that Dominique Calvert-Lewin is healthy enough to, to play in this match, which is obviously huge for the Toffees because dating back to last season, when he's in the lineup, Everton averages 1.34 expected goals per match with him not in the lineup. Only around 1.07, so he's a pretty significant uh, boost for their offense. It looks like Demari Gray has been upgraded. To questionable if he's playing, then that's even better because he's Everton's leading goal scorer right now. So you know, with five goals, and Dominic Calvert Lewin just needs two to tie him. Which should tell you where Everton's kind of at this season. But and that, that's besides the point. But really, Everton, the main times that they struggle are against some of these bigger sides or sides who will press them at a high rate and press them successfully. Well. Newcastle's not going to do that because they're dead last in passes per defensive action. So I think Everton should be able to create enough going forward. Newcastle under Eddie Howe in his seven matches in charge 5.5 expected goals for 12.9 expectables against. Now, granted, he did have to face Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool in that run, but he switched Newcastle to a 4 4 2, which is what he typically played out in his last two years at Bournemouth, and he hasn't been very successful transitioning them to that, even though they did play out of a, a similar type of structure, whether it be like a 5-3-2 or a, a 4-5-1, you know, something you know, similar to that type of structure. It hasn't been hasn't really worked. 1.82 expected goals allowed per 90 minutes when playing out of the 4-4-2. Everton, defensively, obviously, their biggest weakness is allowing big scoring chances. They've conceded 33 in 17 matches this season, but Newcastle has created the third fewest Big scoring chances, and they're 19th in non-penalty expected goals for And I think John Joe Shelby is questionable, so if he's out, there's going to be no screamers coming at. Jordan Pickford, Newcastle, horrific on the road. Minus 9.2 expected goal differential, only created 6.3 expected goals in nine road matches. I have Everton projected at minus 143. Now, that's before all the injuries, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin back. That is a boost to the Toffees, so I'm with you, Michael. I like Everton
2: on the money line at minus 110. It actually behooves both teams to not play this game, right? Like yeah. if you're Newcastle, you want as many matches as possible after the January window. So you're like, yeah, we got no players. We got COVID. We got injury. We can't, we can't play. And Everton, with all the injuries they have, is probably in the same boat where they're thinking, Hey, you know, why are we why are we rushing to play these games? You know, we got to get healthy. We only have 12 players. Uh now they may get some guys back until we know who's playing here for Everton. I can't I can't lay it yet. But at the current number, I, I certainly, if, if you know half of their regular good players are in, I feel comfortable laying it with Everton here as well. BJ mentioned it, Newcastle, they have no ball winners in the team whatsoever. And that's a big issue uh, against any team, but it's really just a big issue going on the road against an Everton team who doesn't deal with pressure well and isn't going to be pressed here. So I think it's a good Everton spot, could also be a good over spot as well, but uh, right now, you know, we're taping this on Sunday night. The game is not until Thursday. We've got some time. Let's see who's coming back for Everton. Keep an eye on the market. I'll put a bet in the app if, if I, you know, if, we, if we're feeling good. But as of right now, I'm, I'm sitting on this one.
1: The last match on the docket is Manchester United. They're minus 285 hosting Burnley, making the short trip from Turfmore to Old Trafford. Uh, At plus 8.50 on the money line, the dress plus 4.25. This is 3.15 p.m. kickoff on Thursday. Uh, Man, both of these teams have been on a milk carton lately. Burnley hasn't played since December 12th. Manchester United hasn't played since December 11th. So who knows, you know, what kind of form they're in, what kind of fitness level, who's going to be playing or whatever. I think that the best way to look at this match handicapping-wise would be the over. Burnley is a team that they're dangerous to score at all on any and all set pieces so if they can get a goal i think manchester united has a pretty good chance of getting two or three here against a burnley defense that has been a little leaky especially by their standards this season so over three is plus 110 at the moment i think that's decent i haven't bet it yet because i will wait for uh some clarity on this match but uh, I, I think it's that way is the only way to look uh for this one anthony anything you have on
2: united and burnley not particularly. I, I think you know, we have to wait and see what happens with Man United and how they perform on Monday against Newcastle. Uh, again, I would lean towards the under. United has some defensive regression coming. They're going to improve defensively. They're going to continue to improve defensively as the Ole statistics you know, kind of move out of the, the market power ratings of how good this United team is. And then you know, the market starts to adjust downwards. I think there's going to be some unders coming. But uh, United at Burnley, this would be a much t- more difficult match, but I, I do think United will have very few issues here uh, at home. So uh, I'm not going to lay the goal, goal and a half, that it's going to be required here. But I uh, certainly don't want any part of the dog either. So it's it's an easy stay away from me. And, and that could change if, if this number moves a lot based on how Monday goes for United. But right now, pass.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll mention is that obviously we don't know how, you know, we can just go back to the last podcast where we just keep mentioning, you know, the stuff about rangnick because they haven't played since they played Norwich, I believe two weeks ago because they've had two matches postponed. But, you know, obviously whenever you're handicapping a Burnley match, You got to see how good the opponent is against corners. Manchester United this season, not very good against corners. About four and a half expected goals allowed around 0.11 expected goals per corner, which is not that great. Burnley is relatively healthy. And the same thing with Manchester United, they're getting a lot of guys back. So the postponement was obviously good for them. Burnley, hopefully will have Maxwell Cornet to provide some pace going forward. You know, hopefully hit, you know, the the Manchester United back line. Burnley did go to to, uh, Old Trafford. Uh, during the uh, January of 2020, so right before obviously all of COVID hit, and they went and won two nothing at Old Trafford. So Sean dyke has done it before. Obviously that was against Ole, but you know the Clarets have done it before. So a look at them, you know, around nine to one or more, I I, I wouldn't hate that for this match. Oh man, don't tempt me with a good time. Uh, before, <laughs>
1: before before you convince me more, let's move on to the underdogs, our favorite underdogs for the midweek matches in the Premier League. Like I always say. These bets are not for the faint of heart. They are underdogs for a reason and I'll give you a reason why. Cause I like Brighton at seven to one this week as my favorite underdog. What do you look for in a big dog, a team that can turn a game into a coin flip and with this rock solid defense, that's exactly what you're getting, but they could slug it out with Chelsea here, turn it into a rock fight, drag them deep into the game. Who knows what can happen? Maybe they can win this one 1-0 one or something uh, and get out of Stamford Bridge with a surprising three points. So 7-1, I mean, the number's too good on a team that is good enough and has enough talent and is well-structured enough that whenever they reach a price like this, no matter who they're playing, no matter where they're playing, are always worth a sprinkle. So give me the Seagulls, Grand Potters, Brighton, and Hove Albion. It's 7-1. That's a Wednesday kickoff. BJ, who's your favorite
0: underdog? Oh, let's just fade Antonio Conte. Why not? Let's do it again. I'll take Southampton plus 265 at home. This, listen, this isn't the best sell high spot on Spurs, but it's a decent one. You know, they haven't played on the road since they're uh, they played Everton at the beginning of the Conte era. You know, obviously all their matches under Nuno on the road, haven't been great. You know, 5.7 expected goals in six matches. Southampton is a really high pressing team. They're going to press Tottenham a ton. Obviously Tottenham just played two high pressing teams in Liverpool and Crystal Palace. They created a bunch of chances against them, but did allow pretty high pressure success rates against Liverpool. If that continues, you know, eventually it's going to catch up with Tottenham, you know, teams that can can, can win the ball against them in the middle of the field. Eventually they're going to be able to penetrate that back line. So facing a South Ham team that has been playing pretty well, got a nice win against West Ham on the weekend. You know, I think it's a decent price uh, on the saints and it's a price. that's only going to get better. So if this is an underdog, you really want to play, I think you can probably get them north of three to one by match time. So at the time of taping this, though, give me the Saints plus 265. Anthony, who are you going with this week?
2: You know, in a normal weekend, we cover the main five leagues. So that's about 49 matches. This weekend, we have eight to choose from, or this week. Uh, so it is a really tough week for underdogs to really find one with value. And I know BJ didn't want to fade Tottenham again, but he is doing it. Uh, but I'm going to fade. Whoa, whoa whoa, um,
0: whoa, whoa. I'm always happy to fade Tottenham. Okay, let's get, that, let's get that clear, okay? I'm not sitting here like, eh, I don't want to. No, I'll always fade Tottenham if I get the chance to.
2: Well, it'll be tip-top Tottenham, uh, hopefully, for uh, my over two and a half. But anyway, uh, Declan Rice and the center backs are out for West Ham. I'll fade them again. That's fine. Uh, I mentioned this on last week's episode when I faded them, and I said they've been playing like a bottom seven team the last month or so. Well, now they're in a terrible spot. Uh, going on the road against a team that has not played in two weeks. Now that could be a negative for Watford, but it also could be a positive Uh, Watford eighth in ball recoveries per 90. And there's going to come probably shoot out like a cannon here and a a great spot against a team who played like 48 hours beforehand. So the overturn here is huge. West Ham is not a very deep team. West Ham also played midweek last week. So they are now playing three games in seven days. So it's not a good spot for the hammers. uh, And I think, at that price, given the limited slate, give me Watford at home to take all three points and continue West Ham's tailspin. So, uh, yeah, plus two 60s are out there, I believe. So that that's where I would go. All
1: right, uh, and it's almost time to wrap up this show. But before we do, we will give out our favorite Premier League bets. Uh, BJ, uh, let's start with you. Yeah,
0: I'll go Watford, West Ham, over two and a half goals and minus 115. Watford under Claudio Ranieri has been leaking goals left and right, a little over 19 expected goals allowed in eight matches, which is really concerning their bottom five and pretty much every single defensive metric. They also go still without their starting goalkeeper, Ben Foster, and one of their starting defenders. So not a great situation going up against a West Ham offense. That's top five in pretty much every single offensive category. And the big thing for West Ham is they're obviously very depleted defensively, but their offense is healthy and they should be able to create a lot of chances on Watford's defense. But You know, without Obana, without Kurt Zuma, without Aaron Cresswell, and now without Declan Rice, who's out due to yellow card suspension, who is essential to protecting their back line, I think there's a great chance that Wofford can get on the board here. I have a little over three goals projected for this one, so I love over two and a half goals at minus 115.
1: All right, let's stay in that one. You just detailed a lot of the issues for Watford. And I think West Ham, in a, in a game that could be wide open and feature a crooked number, I think West Ham's talent, and especially their attacking talent, should win out against a defense that ranks at or near the bottom in every defensive metric. And Claudio Ranieri's uh, revolution has not really changed that for the Hornets. So I think West Ham, I'm going to go against Anthony. I think West Ham at plus money, anything plus money, is a good bet, even on the road. Against the Hornets. And look, this team hasn't played in a long time. So we don't even know what kind of version of Watford we're going to get. So I'll back the Hammers as
2: road favorites as my favorite bet in the Premier League this week. Anthony, wrap it up. Yeah, the Seagulls. Uh, we're back on our boys from Brighton, the South Coast, plus 1.25 on the road against Chelsea. Chelsea running 30% above their expected goals numbers for the season. Feel like a broken record. I feel like uh, some anti-Chelsea person here. And quite frankly, we were all high on them coming into the year. They played really well at the beginning of the season. They are not playing at that level right now. They've also gotten three more penalties than the entire league, seven, including two against Leeds and two against Aston Villa in their last four Premier League matches. So they've been riding their penalty luck a little bit. Romelu Lukaku is back, but... Not sure that this team is quite firing on the cylinders that it was early in the season. And now you're getting a Brighton team that is an excellent underdog with a top five defense by expected goals allowed. And they're able to disrupt the Chelsea possession and they're able to play out of the Chelsea pressure. They always know what to do on the ball. They're a well-drilled side. They always compete with the big six better than almost any team outside the big six. I'd argue them and probably West Ham. But I think plus one point two five here even on the road, is a good result. And I don't really trust Chelsea to get margin. So give me the Seagulls, plus 1.25, minus 120.
1: And that's where we will leave it for this episode of Wundergold. And we will see you again uh, on Thursday morning. So for Anthony Debundo and BJ Cunningham, good luck uh, this week with your Premier League bets.